Right, you can turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading from verse 7. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. And at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him, that is Jesus, and in you, that is us. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it helps us to to hold fast your teachings, to submit to your teachings, so we can walk in a way that is pleasing to you and bearing fruit in every good work. Father, thank you again for the Apostle John, a man that lived into his 80s, a man that loved you and loved the brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Help us to learn from this great Apostle but also help us to learn from Jesus, who loved perfectly, who was the great example how to love your neighbour as yourself. So help me, Father, to be clear as I continue in the sermon why love matters. Help us to listen and help us to take what we hear and apply it to our lives. Help us not just to sit and do nothing, because we know we just delude ourselves. And that kind of says we're still in darkness. But help us to, to take the word and be the light in this dark world, to shine it through our loving hearts, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, and then loving those outside the church, the unlovely, the stranger, and the enemy. The Father, thank you. Thank you again for the scriptures. Help us to hear, because we have ears. Help us, Father. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you weren't here last week, you can listen to part one of this, Why Love Matters. But I'll just recap briefly and, Lord willing, get into our second thing that we would like to look at this morning. We should ask ourselves the question, why should love matter for the Christian? Why should love matter for the Christian? Well, we know that God has given us His love, and he want, wants us to reflect that love into the world, which then glorifies and honours him. But love matters as well because it's an essential mark of a Christian. It's the first fruit of the Spirit, and it should be seen in our lives. I mentioned a lovely quote last week. Love is the most attractive quality in the world. And it lies at the heart of Christianity. 
We, love should be seen in how we treat one another, how we show respect towards one another, how we listen to each other, how we serve, and how we just help. Now, if you had to mention the word love to the world, they would think of someone being nice, like niceness. They picture a person always being nice and kind and caring. That person has a great personality and therefore these things shine through. But it doesn't mean it's love. It could just be their personality. They never get angry with people. They never get angry with, with things that go wrong around them. They never say anything to upset someone. Their love is mostly based on feelings of deep affection. If all is well, they love well. If all is not well, then they don't love well. It's conditional. And um, that's how the world loves. But that's how some Christians love as well. They haven't really experienced the love of Christ that has been poured out into their hearts. That's the first thing that comes with our salvation. is God's love that has been poured out into our hearts. So we can learn to love beyond always loving ourselves. So when we think of the word love biblically, in a godly sense, we should think of godly love. It's a supernatural love. And it's unconditional and it's active. Love in the, in, in the scriptures is the Greek word agape, and it's a verb, and it's always active. It's this action. It's never passive. It's never just patting someone on the back and saying, I love you, go well, I'll pray for you. It's getting involved. It's action. It's a verb. It's not interested in what I can gain from helping someone, but what I can give when I help that person that I'm trying to help. Whatever the cost, it's sacrificial love. And this is what Jesus showed us when he came. It was a sacrificial love. When you think about it, God didn't have to save us. He didn't. There's nothing we can do to merit salvation. There's nothing we can do to get God's love. But Ephesians reminds us, and this should, should humble us, and this should make us want to honour God through loving one another and glorifying Him. Because there was a time when we were dead in our trespasses and our sins in which we once walked. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Don't deserve it. We're unworthy. But it was because of His rich mercy and because of the great love with which He loved us that He chose to save us. And to reflect, reflect this love into the world. And this just tells us what a loving God we serve. For Him to pour out His love into our hearts so that we can love like Jesus. 
So that we can, if you look at, um, you back up to verse 6 of 1 John chapter 2, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And Jesus walked in love. Loving those around him. Not picking and choosing who he wanted to love. He loved his own people. They hated him. They pushed him aside. He loved the stranger, the Gentile. He loved the unlovely. He loved the religious leaders. Jesus' love, Jesus love was not conditional. Oh, here come these religious leaders again. And off he went and ducked and turned his back on them. No. He would even say to them, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He would lovingly rebuke them. And then once he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. That's love. Never scared to, to let God's love through rebuke be met in someone's life. After all, real faith works through love, according to Galatians 5, 6. True faith is a love for God's people. So before we look at our second thing, why love matters, just recap our first thing. Again, you can go listen to it on Anchor or on the web page, our web page. But the first thing to see why love matters is because it was true in Jesus. If it wasn't true in Jesus, then I wouldn't follow this God. If God asks me to do something, I want to see it done in someone else. So I can learn, I can observe. No other religion shows us that. We can't look at any other religion and see how their person, whatever they call their guru or their God, but we can look to Jesus, the Son of God. We just have to look to the Gospels and see how love was so true in Jesus. Which is also in us, which, which says, it says that at the end of verse um, 8 of 1 John chapter 2. And when John mentions, I'm writing to you, no new commandment, but an old commandment, while in one sense it is a new commandment because it's coming from Jesus, but it's also an old commandment because this goes back to the Old Testament. It goes back to Deuteronomy 6.4, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And it goes back to Leviticus 19.18 where it says that, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself, I am the Lord. So this love is an old commandment, but it's also a new commandment because it's coming from Jesus. He's the one that said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. But look what he says next. Just as I have loved you, you also ought to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Like I said last week, if we went to our neighbours and knocked on their door, I went to Daniel's neighbours and knocked on the door and said, how do they love? What would they say? Daniel came to me, knocked on my neighbours' doors and said, how does Pastor Mark love? What would they say? But it's not what they say. 
It's what God sees. What does God see this morning? Does He see a love that is true in you? Not perfect, but that is in you that was also in His Son. His Son sacrificed His life to give us this love, to love. When John was writing this letter, he was in his 80s. He's the only apostle that was not martyred. He left to die on the Patmos Island. But before he was taken away and he got old, he used to always say at the door, and this could be hypothetical, it could just be, but this is what I've read, that when the people left, he would just tell them one thing, love one another. That's how we tell the world that we are Jesus' disciple. If they see us loving one another. That's why I follow Jesus. Because I see this worked out in his own life. He has set the example. And a great example. And like I said, this wasn't... This wasn't really a new commandment, but it did become new at the cross. Because there at the cross, it was renewed, it was refreshed, and it was fulfilled in Jesus. And this new commandment was seen in Jesus. It was true in Him. How He learned to love His Father with all His heart, soul, mind and strength. And how He learned to love His neighbor. What a great God we serve. What a great God we know. That sets the perfect example. The person we can go to. That doesn't, is not causing us to be unstable in our walk. It doesn't say one thing and then contradicts another thing. Because at the end of the day, we know we love because He loved us first. And if it was true in Jesus, according to verse 8 of 1 John chapter 2, it's also true in us, in our attitudes and our actions. Shining forth as true light. And if we're shining forth as, as, as true light, then we are loving and walking in the light and shining for Jesus. It's obviously what I'm going to say, but we all have one great opportunity to live for the glory of God. Don't squander it. We're going to stand before God one day again in account of our lives. The gifts that He's given us, the talents that He's given us, have we used them for the glory of God? Remember the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him. A lot of Christians are trying to glorify God, but they're not enjoying God. They place burdens upon themselves. They try and they forget it's grace. Hopefully you're not here this morning out of obligation, out of legalism, thinking that if I come here this morning, I'm going to be fine with God. I've done my duty. God is not a God of performance. You cannot, you cannot get God to love you any more than He loves you. He loves you the same as He loved Jesus, His Son. And there's nothing you can do to get Him to love you more. All what we need to do is cultivate the sun and love and, and, and grow this love in our hearts. And this is why we need to be here on a Sunday morning. 
or in a home fellowship group or in a prayer meeting so we can stimulate each other to love and good work so we can carry on loving because who finds love easy? And doing good works easy all the time. That's why we meet. So God's love matters because His love was true in Jesus and therefore it should be true in us as well. Let's look at our second thing. Again, it's fleshed out more if you listen to last week's sermon. But the second thing to see why love matters is because to love shows that we are in the light. Which you'll see now in verses 9 to 11. John reminds me so much of James. He doesn't say these are the things you need to hold on which tell that you are a Christian. Yes, there's certain things we've got to do. We've got to repent and put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to become a child of God. But it doesn't stop there. Are you doing God's word? Are you showing the world God's love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, patience, faithfulness, self-control? Are these things flowing from our lives? Because if we profess to be a Christian, saying that we have fellowship with God, then that's telling us we are in the light. But if you say all of this, but you hate certain brothers and sisters in Christ, then you're still in darkness. You know your heart. Maybe a a Christian has done something wrong to you over time and you hate them for that. Well, John's telling you, you're still in darkness. God is telling us we're still in darkness. Did you see Jesus hate anyone? Show bitterness to anyone? There was a righteous anger that flowed from him that was love. Not an unrighteous anger. But you never saw Jesus hate anybody. He always had time for people. He would heal them. He would stop and talk to them about the truth. He would sometimes rebuke them. He would correct them. And he even provided for them food. This is serious, this loving one another. The world is crying out for real, genuine, sincere love. And we have the opportunity to shine God's love into this dark world. You don't have to do anything smart. Just love. An example is if you walk in the street and then there's an old couple or an old lady or an old man struggling to get across the road. Stop and help. That's showing God's love. You don't have to tell them that because you stand before God one day and give an account. If they ask you, why did you do that? You can tell them. Because my God has set his love in my heart to learn to love my neighbor. You're my neighbor, and I want to help you. 
But if I didn't know God, I tell you this, I probably would have walked past you. Maybe bumped you into the road. We were like that growing up in Fishwick. We, I didn't enjoy growing up in Fishwick when I was young, to be honest with you, because it was full of old people. And they had all these laws and rules. But as time grew, God turned my heart to appreciate old people. That's where I learned to preach, is in Haste Neverland, in an old senior citizen home, where 15 or 20 old people would come, have tea with them before, listen to the same stories they would tell you week after week. But I thank God, because he broke down that hardness of heart towards older people. And this is, if you read the Old Testament, you will see how the Israelites began to push the older people away and the widows away and the orphans away. And when we read James, James says, pure religion is to love the widows, love the orphans, love the older things, the older people. A lovely quote, love for all the saints is a Christian birthmark. We are commanded to love one another as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This will make us imitators of God as beloved children. And if we are loving one another according to God's word, then we are walking in the light. You don't have to do it perfectly. This is for someone that says they're a Christian. But you never show, you never see them showing any love to their neighbour or to anybody. Because we all stumble, we all struggle to love. This is not saying, oh, because yesterday you didn't love someone, now you're in darkness. No, you can confess your sin and ask God to forgive you. But if you're in this, if you say you're a Christian, you just don't do anything. You just come to church and go home and that's it and you look after yourself, then you must ask yourself, are you then truly a genuine Christian? Because you are in darkness. When you look at um, verse 11 of 1 John chapter 2, it's kind of a repeat of verse 9 of 1 John chapter 2. The difference is that the hatred for Christian distorts the truth and blinds our vision. That's what hatred does. We, we start doing things that make us unaware of being in darkness. We become short-sighted. We allow the God of this age, Satan, to blind our minds and keep us from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We allow Satan to make us feel home in darkness, even though we think we're in the light. I'm going to say this, but please, I don't want to offend anybody. It just came to my mind that we can use prayer as an excuse to show people we love by telling them we pray, telling them we have a list. But my question is, how much doing do you do 
in that list. How much going to those people, visiting them, praying with them, seeing how you can help them where there is a need. Because we can get complacent by just patting people on the back and say, go well with you. And James says, that is not love. That is faith with dead works. I have been challenged just by saying that. Because it's easy to say to so-and-so you meet on the street who's struggling, don't worry, Jack, we're going to keep you in prayer. Meanwhile, you have the goods that God has given you to help them. We all have the goods to help our neighbor in big ways and in small ways. But I think the love of Christ is not compelling us to let go of self-centeredness or self-righteousness. Hatred blinds us to the point that we cannot see that we are acting opposite to Jesus. Our Christianity is a practical theology. You're saved and God is in the process of changing you so that you can be that light and salt in the world. And the only way you can be salt and light in the world is if you're out there rubbing shoulders with people. Not going specifically now to street evangelism or just as you live your life in this community. As you go to work, do people see light and salt? As you go to the shops, do people see light and salt? Not that you are showing the light and salt and you're wanting to go now and impress people. No, it just happens naturally. Because people you hate fellow believers walk in a space where sinful behavior is seen and their own sinful behavior, in this case, is their hatred, which blinds their eyes so they do not know where they are going. They are self-centered people and self-love has taken over, which is the greatest enemy of real godly love. Do not walk in love shows do not have the truth to guide you. John 12, 35. And I think it was also in 1, in 1 John 4, 20. If you say you do not love your brother or sister in Christ, you're a liar and still in darkness. Love matters because all people who profess to know God will show love for one another to show that we are his disciple jesus's father had every reason to be pleased with jesus when he said this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased and the son of god came and shone his light his father's light his father's glory into the lives of people he, he showed sacrificial love he laid down his life for the chosen that's as far as his love went and we're going to read about that when we come to the lord's table but there was a sacrificial love he wasn't a martyr and put on a front he went to the cross with sorrow That's why when we look at the church, do we see churches that are close-knit families where brothers and sisters are loving one another, 
the place where God's love is displayed for the world to see how to love. The church should be a life-transforming community where people grow and become more like their loving Lord Jesus Christ. I like this quote. If love is lost in the church, the lost stay lost. Without Christian love, the light to the world is eclipsed. And sometimes when the world is dark out there, it's because the church is dark. We should be permeating our community with love. doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. There's still wickedness and lawless and murders that will carry on. But somehow, God's love will start getting into the hearts of people. I remember watching a video or, or YouTube, and I can't find it. I wish I could find it. It's, it's, it's this man did one of these where he showed Paul when Paul started on his first missionary journey. And he takes it to his last trip on his third missionary journey. And he's got this green, and you see how this green permeates Asia. How Paul had such an impact and an influence on, on dark Asia when he went to all those towns and planted churches. And he, and he, and he lets this thing just go. And you just see how everything just went from black to green. And obviously over time some of those green places have become black again because the Gospels left the church. Just read the seven churches to Asia Minor. Those churches don't exist today. This church might not exist in a hundred years. But it's up to us who we call. Someone that's faithful to the Scriptures. But as soon as you push the Scriptures out that door, there goes the church. This is actually quite a in-your-face letter. Quite a hard, tough letter by John. He's not entertaining the people and, and trying to please them so he keeps his credit level up with them. He, he's, he's loving through rebuke, through some hard sayings. And he's playing on the word love. You'll see how love goes through this letter. Like I said, it's mentioned about 18 times in this letter. The most in any other letter in the books of the New Testament. If we're not loving, then we are not doing what Jesus called us to do in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And we can only do this through loving. And according to verse 10 of 1 John chapter 2, those who love their brother abide in the light, and to them there is no cause for stumbling. Loving keeps you away from sinning, especially when you're loving your neighbour. While you're loving, there is no cause for you to fall into sin. But it's when we sit around and we become idle, and we do as we please, and we don't walk according to God's word, and be that light, we can fall into sin. To live in love is to walk in the light, to walk soundly, 
Because love, like someone said, love rides the heart of all that would make us stumble. Love covers a multitude of sins. Because if we love him, we align the light of God's truth to light our ways so that we do not become a stumbling block for others around us as well. If we're in the light, then God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And if we want to love, then we just need to turn to 1 Corinthians 13 and we will see from this passage, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This is the love that, that John is talking about, and this is the love that was in Jesus and is in us as well, so that we can be the light. Because the, with the absence of brotherly love, it's telling us we are unsaved and unrenewed. You've got to love. Start in your home. Start with your children. Start with your neighbours. Start in your workplace. Start with people you know. If your wife cooks you biscuits to take to work for yourself, ask her to put some more in so you can share with the people in the office. Shine that light. Start with simple things. Attract people to you so you can share the gospel with them. Love matters because it has to be expressed in our lives. It's not silent, it's active. It's not passive. And it's always going to be active towards brothers and sisters in Christ. And then out there to the ungodly, to the unlovely, to the stranger, to the enemy. And if we are loving, it shows that we are in the light. That's why these two things that we looked at, one we looked at briefly, love was true in Jesus. And the second one, to love shows that we are in the light. It's so important that people see our love. I struggle to love at times. I haven't arrived. I didn't grow up in a Christian home where I saw it modelled. That's why we need each other and we need God's word. We need to, to, to be in love so that we can be in the light. Because this is what 1 John 2, 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 to 11 is telling us. And it's telling us that love matters. And hopefully we've been challenged to see why love matters. Because Satan wants to kill our love and the church. He wants to destroy it. That's why we must keep looking to the cross. Keep looking to the cross like we'll look this morning. So we can be reminded of Jesus' love. There he died on the cross so that his love may be poured out into our hearts for us to love him and love one another. Love matters because love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. That's why love matters.
that tells each one of us if you truly know the living God. And Lord willing, next week we will see when we come to the next section on children, fathers, young men. There again we're going to see if we really know our Father. Let's pray. Father, we again thank you for this lovely passage and we're reminded of, of yeah, why love matters. It was seen in Jesus and if it's seen in our own lives then we are in the light. But if we say we love you but we hate our neighbour and we hate our brothers and sisters in Christ then we're in darkness according to your word. Father, please forgive us for we do not love like your son. Give us the wisdom, Father, to, to be challenged, to, to start reading your word so that your, your spirit, the Holy Spirit, can sanctify our hearts and, and cultivate in our hearts a godly love that loves through irritation, loves through bitterness, loves through the unlovely, loves through the enemy, loves through the stranger, that just keeps loving like Jesus did unconditionally. Help us, Father, please. Be merciful, be gracious to us. Help us now, when we come to the Lord's Supper, to be refreshed and reminded of this great love that was given to us, a gift from you, to help us to love the way you have asked us to love according to your word. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.